Shalom. This is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Maim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Avrachamim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, and we adore you. Father, we thank you for allowing us to gather together this morning on your holy Shabbat uh, to worship as a community in unity in your presence and in the Ruach HaKodesh, your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that as we open up your word this morning, that you will speak into our hearts and our lives, that you will move boldly in our midst, and that you will reveal yourself to us in a more powerful uh, and tangible way today. Father, I pray that you will speak through me, that you will use me for your good and your blessing. Father, that everything that comes out of my mouth will have come from your heart, that nothing in me be involved except that which you have ordained for this purpose, for this day. V'shem Yeshua Meshachinu, in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray and everyone says, Amen and Amen. Today we are in Parsha and more, uh, which is uh, in Leviticus, in case you were wondering. It begins with chapter 21 of Leviticus. Um, I want to actually backtrack just a little bit, uh, all the way back to Abraham, uh, if you would, just for a quick second. Uh, I want to set up a concept here for you, what we're looking at. So Abraham was called out, uh, and it's the descendants of Abraham that make up the nation of Israel. Through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we have the nation of Israel. Uh, the nation of Israel was called out for one very distinct and single purpose. And that purpose was that we would be a light unto the nations. In other words, that we would take the presence of God that resides and dwells with us to the nations because God created humanity. He didn't just create Israel and go, oh, by the way, I'm going to throw a few other people out there and see what happens. He created humanity, created Adam and Eve, and from Adam and Eve, we get all of the rest of us, both Jew and Gentile alike. And he created us all for the distinct purpose of existing in his presence, of living his presence, of interacting with our heavenly father on a day-to-day basis. And so being we felt because of sin, the Lord put into play this plan of salvation and redemption for his people. And so he called uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, he called the nation of Israel forward for the singular purpose of being a light to the nations. But because this is the smallest people of all the people on the face of the earth, the Lord knew that those who were set aside to be an example for the nations needed an example to look for as well, to look to as well, right? So he calls out the tribe of the Levites, the Leviim, uh, and the, the Leviim become an example for the nation of Israel as a whole. And the Leviim have a few added commandments upon them that the nation itself did not have upon them, so that they have uh, a little bit of a stricter life, if you would, to live in righteousness and holiness before the Lord, so that all of the nation of Israel has an example to look at as they live as an example to the nations. But then the Lord also knew that the Leviim, the priesthood, uh, or the, the, those that handled the tabernacle of the temple would need an example. So he called forth a very specific Levi. He called forth Aaron. And through Aaron, we have the Kohanim, the priesthood, and, and Aaron becomes a Kohen Gadol, and his children after him become Kohen Gadolim, Kohanim Gadolim as well. And the Kohanim, the priesthood, the Aaronic priesthood, becomes an example for the Leviim, who are an example for the nation of Israel, who are an example for the nations uh, uh, throughout the world. And the Leviim, the priesthood, uh, or sorry, the Kohanim, the priesthood, have even more commandments upon them 
even more of a description of a life of holiness upon them than the, the Levim do as a whole and then, then the nation of Israel does as a whole. And so all of this is set up as an example for each of us as part of the nation of Israel to be able to live our lives for the Lord before the nations around us so that we can be an example, the light of, of the, the Lord to the nations around us, that we can carry that presence to those that we interact with. And what's interesting here is because, look, we have the Ten Commandments, and we talk about this uh, quite a bit here. We have the Ten Commandments that were given in Mount Sinai, the Aserat Hadibrot, the Ten Words that were given in Mount Sinai. And as we look at them, they seem rather vague. Have you really, have you ever paid attention to them? Exodus 20, go look them up. They seem rather vague, right? Honor your father and mother. Cool. That sounds great. What does that mean? Right? How, how do, you, do I give them a plaque? Like That seems like an honor, right? Do I a certificate, an award? Is there a, 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 st a statue we give? I mean, what do we do? How do you honor your father and mother? Right? And then he says, uh, love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Right? And that's not in the Ten Commandments, but it's later on. Love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's cool. Awesome. I'm on board. How do I do that? How do I walk that out? How do I live that? Have no other gods beside me. Do not uh, uh, covet your neighbor's stuff. Do not murder. Do not, right? He's got all of these in the, the Aseret Hadibrot and, and throughout other places. We have all these random commandments that seem vague in the construct of what they are until we look at the rest of the Torah and ultimately the rest of the scriptures as a whole, the rest of the Bible, because what we realize is they're not so vague. Honor your father and mother. Awesome. Anybody read last week's Parshot? We had a double Parsha last week, right? Acharimot and Kedashim. Kedoshim, the second Parsha of the double Parsha. Kedoshim means holy ones. And it begins by saying, I've called you to be my holy ones, and here's how you live a life that is holy. And if you go to that Parsha, Parsha Kedoshim in Leviticus 19, it says, Adonai spoke to Moses saying, speak to all the congregation of B'nai Israel, the children of Israel, and tell them, you shall be Kedoshim, you shall be holy ones, for I Adonai, your God, am holy. Each one of you is to respect his mother and his father. Keep my Shabbatot. I am Adonai, your God. And then he goes on through what becomes this discussion in Kedoshim of a holiness code to tell us how to honor the Ten Commandments and other relatively vague-sounding commandments throughout the Scriptures, throughout the Torah, so that we now know how to live these things out. And suddenly something as grand as honor your father and mother becomes much more simple. Because there are pen points to, to keep track of. Honor your father and mother. That doesn't mean hand them a plaque. That means make sure that they're taken care of when they're old and can't take care of themselves. That means make sure that you do what they ask of you. That means make sure that you don't make a fool of them. That means make sure that you don't become a drunkard in the town fool, that your parents have to bring you before the priest and want to stone you because you're useless and never going to amount to anything. That means live a life that is an honor for them a life that they can be proud of, and most importantly, a life of service to the Lord because there is no greater life to be proud of than that. And as we look through Parsha Kedashim from last week, we realize that all of these things in Parsha Kedashim, if we live a life that is contrary to them, it's ultimately the definition of sin, right? We look at sin. Sin is anything that we do that breaks our relationship with the Lord. Uh, I have an even more simplistic definition that I'll get to in a moment. But if we look through the scriptures, the Lord says, do not commit murder. So if you commit murder, guess what? You've sinned, right? You did something contrary to what the Lord commands. You have sinned. Simple as that. So in, in Parsha Akharimot, which is the first of the double Parshot last week, we have uh, in, I think it's Leviticus 18, we have a whole discussion 
Previous to the holiness code in Kedoshim, we have a holiness, uh, a whole discussion in Parsh Akarimot about how the only way that sin can be forgiven is by the blood of a sacrifice, right? Because the life of the animal is in the blood and it's life for life, right? Our life is on the hook because of sin. What is the, the curse of sin? What is the consequence of sin? What is the punishment of sin? It's death. And I don't mean death here and now. I mean eternal death, eternal separation from the Father. So the only thing that can buy forgiveness, if you would, and I use that term very loosely, the only thing that can buy forgiveness for sin is life for life. We have laid our life down by choosing sin. The only thing that can give us our life back is blood atonement, right? Well, there's no temple standing today. There's no tabernacle standing today. There's no sacrifice happening today in Jerusalem. So where does this blood atonement come from? Because we're still breaking these commandments every day, right? All the time. Every time I smart off to my parents, uh, I would say when I was younger, but it probably still happens. Uh, every time I smart off to my parents, right, I'm breaking a commandment because I'm not respecting them. I'm not honoring them. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, although I'm Jewish and being a smart aleck is like a first language for us. But uh, the, um, every time I smart off or I'm rude to my parents, well, I've broken that command. Well, I can't go and make a sacrifice for atonement. So how do my sins get atoned for? Right? And we look through all of this and we realize that there's this whole complicated scenario uh, as we look through this. And as I said at the very beginning, Parsha Kedoshim is for the nation of Israel. It's for all the people of Israel to have a holiness code of how to live their life holy before the Lord, how to honor the Lord's commandments in a simplistic way, things that seem rather vague in a simplistic way. Then we go to this week's Parsha. And like I said at the beginning, there's the nation of Israel, which is an example of the light to the nations. And then there's the, the Levites and there's the Kohanim. This week's Parsha, he goes, okay, last week we talked about the Kedoshim, the, the, the holiness codes for God's holy ones for his Kedoshim. This week we're going to talk about the holiness code for the priesthood, for the examples to the examples, right? And if you look at it and we go through it, it's pretty strict. It's pretty strong, right? If, if a priest uh, has a very close friend that dies, he can't go to the funeral. He can't go near the body. He can only be there at the death of, of a loved one or be in, in anywhere near that dead loved one if it's his father, his mother, his own children, his wife. There's seven people, uh, seven types of people can be there. His father, his mother, his uh, own children, his wife, uh, his brother, um, and his sister, if she's not married, if she's still a virgin, uh, and, uh, and there's one I'm missing in there, but there's seven that he can actually interact with the dead body of. He's not even allowed to bury them, though, right? Because he can't become unclean, because if he becomes unclean, if the high priest becomes unclean, what does that mean? It means nobody else can become clean. It means all the rest of us that sin, we're left out to hide, hide high and dry. We're left out on our own, because the one who makes the sacrifice for our atonement is unclean and cannot make that sacrifice. He is Tame. He can't make that sacrifice for us. So we're left out high and dry. But as we look at this, I want you to go to, to Leviticus chapter 22, verse 31. Leviticus chapter 22, verse 31. The Lord says, So you are to keep my mitzvot, my commandments, and do them. I am Adonai. You must not profane my holy name, for I will be made holy among B'nai Israel, among the children of Israel. I am Adonai who makes you holy, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am Adonai. He says, You are to keep my mitzvot and do them. I am Adonai. You are not to profane my holy name, for I will be made holy among B'nai Israel. Now, I want to take this a step further. When he says, you are not to profane my holy name, in this particular case, he's not specifically talking about speaking his name, all right? He's not saying, don't run around saying GD, all right? It's not what he's talking about. 
he's actually getting the discussion a lot more real than that. He's, he's going deeper than that. Because here what he's talking about is how we live, our lives. Remember I said a few moments ago, I'm going to give you my baseline definition of sin, right? My baseline definition of sin is anything that we do that damages the image of God in our lives, right? Genesis tells us that we were created in the image and likeness of the Lord, which means that we are to be to the world the face of God, the image and likeness of God, that when they see us, they should see God as believers, absolutely the truth. When they see us, they should see God. Anything that we do in our lives, anything that we do that harms or damages or shortchanges the image of God in our lives, it's a sin. We have done a disjustice to the Lord when we do this. Whether it's literally breaking a commandment from the Torah or it's any number of thousands of other things that we can do in our lives that we know are immoral but may not necessarily be covered in the Torah because you know, there's a lot of things that exist today that didn't exist at Sinai, all right? I mean, it's just the bottom line. They didn't have iPhones and Androids at Sinai. There's a lot of really bad things you can do with iPhones, iPhones and Androids, all right? So there's the things that, that are possible today that were no, not possible during Moses' day, uh, although that's not to say God wasn't already thinking about them and, and realizing that we could do them in the future. And so the Lord says, do not profane my name. And he goes on to say, uh, he says, for I will be made holy among B'nai Israel." What God wants to do, what he wants to use us for, and you got to remember Romans says as believers, both the natural and unnatural branches are grafted into what? The root and the fatness of the olive tree. They're grafted into Israel. We, both Jew and Gentile alike, who have faith in the blood atonement of Messiah, are grafted into Israel. Some of us who are natural branches, it was an easier job grafting that branch in. Those that are unnatural, it was a little bit of a more challenging job. Um, and then there's Erica. Uh, and No. <laughs> But as we look at all this, what we realize is that we are a part of Israel. We may not all be blood lineage of Israel, but we're all a part of Israel. And as being a part of Israel, we have the same call to be a light to the nations. And it is our duty and our responsibility to make sure that no matter what is going on in our lives, that we are constantly kedoshim, that we are holy ones, that we are not profaning the name of the Lord in our own lives, that when people look at us, that they do not get put off at who the Lord is. Look, I waited tables for 16 years, and in waiting tables, you get to know people, right? You see people. I don't mean like you see the show they put on. I mean, you see people, right? And, and it wasn't at all uncommon on a Sunday. And look, there's a lot of people who don't like the tipping structure in the U.S., and that's all fine. I don't care, whatever. But, but you would get people on Sunday mornings that would come in that would run you ragged. They would run you like a dog. You know, they want 14 ramekins of ranch dressing for their chicken fingers. Or, uh, and, and, they, and they ask for them each independently, right? You know, you go to the table, you drop a, oh, can I get this? And you go and get it, and you come back, oh, can I get another one of those? Oh, I, I could have used another. Can you, I need one napkin. Can you bring me a napkin? Okay, cool. Can I get five more? Can I get a bottle of ketchup? Can I? And it's like just this constant, they'll run you ragged. And then when they pay the bill, they'll pull you off to the side and they'll hand you the tip. And the tip is this little brochure that looks like a $100 bill. And inside is a gospel tract. And there's no actual money. Like, I can't pay my bills off of that, right? Like, that's not going to work for me. That's not going to do anything. Uh, or you'll get those that will come in on a Sunday and they'll go, look, I just left church. God only asked me for 10%. Why should I give you any more? Right? Or you get those that leave nothing. Like they make it a point to talk of that they just left church and they had this awesome service, da-da-da, and then they just leave you nothing. They treat you like trash. They leave you nothing to, to, as a tip and whatever. Now, this isn't everybody that does this, but these are some of the prime examples of those that are supposed to be a light to the nations 
And you have no clue if that person standing there at your table taking your order and bringing your food and drink, you have no clue if they know the Lord or not. Which means in that opportunity, you have the prime example. You have the prime opportunity to be the example, to be the light of the Lord before the nations. And then as believers, we go and make a complete mockery of what it looks like to be a believer. We make God look like a jerk. Because if we act like a jerk and we're the image and likeness of God, then we make God look like a jerk. Although God's not a jerk. We are. And he's constantly covering our hides because we're a jerk. In the restaurant business, Sundays is the worst possible time to work because you know the kind of stuff you're going to get. You know the headache. Now, you may end up walking. It's the busiest day. So long term, you're going to make some money. It's going to work out okay. But you're going to make about a third to two thirds less than you would on that same amount of business any other day of the week. It's just the reality of it. But these are the people that are supposed to be being the shining example, the prime example of the Lord. All right? Uh, I mean, and it's bad. It's brutal. And it's not just there. I mean, we see it all over the place, believers all over the place. I've seen people. I've gone to dinner with people uh, at the table and, and witnessed them. And I'm talking like congregational leaders and such. Uh, and the server will come up and to get drink orders, to greet the table, whatever. And the first thing out that person's mouth is, hey, listen, we're about to pray over our food in a few minutes when we get it. Is there anything we can pray for you about? Right? Which sounds like an awesome thing. Like, let's, let's, this is great. You know, how can you go wrong? Right? We're praying for people. We're doing what the Lord told us to do. We're, we're shining the light. And then they do really quirky things like leave no tip or leave a tip that might as well have been nothing. Or they make a giant mess all over the place and don't bother to apologize. Or, I mean, just one thing after another. I've seen people in the grocery store that have treated the cashier like trash. And then everybody that came across in the, the, the grocery store, they wanted to, oh, the Lord loves you. The Lord blesses you. I want to pray over you. I want to do this. I want to... And this isn't to beat up on anybody in particular, but it's a reality of who we are. And very often we may not realize in our own lives, I mean, ultimately it comes back to kick us, but in our own lives, we may not realize that although we are redeemed, although we are made anew and restored, we're just as much a jerk uh, from time to time as we were before we were renewed and restored. And that means it's even more important that we make sure that every moment of our lives that we are living as Kedoshim, as holy ones. Because if not, it's in those weak moments. It's in those moments where the, the old man jerk arises that we're going to make a fool of the gospel, that we're going to make a fool of who God is, that we're going to damage the image and likeness of our creator that we are. And when we look at last week's Parsha, Achrimot and Kedoshim, we look at this week's Parsha with Parsha and more, and we look at the holiness code for the nation of Israel, the holiness code for Aaron and his sons, we realize that the Lord is telling us that it is more important that we live a life that is holy. And I don't mean live a life that looks holy, but we live a life that is holy because the Lord our God is holy. We have to live a life that is holy because the Lord our God is holy because the Lord says no matter what, He's going to be made holy and he's going to be glorified in B'nai Israel and the children of Israel. Whether it's because he had to, because we did something right and he was glorified through it, or because we did something so wrong that he had to push us out of the land and ultimately restore us again when we repent. He's going to be glorified and he's going to be made holy through us. It's really a matter of how comfortable the ride's going to be for us. And that's all in our hands. 
He goes on to say in chapter 23, verse 1, he says, Then Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to B'nai Israel, and tell them, These are the appointed Moedim, the appointed times of Adonai, which you are to proclaim to be holy convocations, my Moedim, my appointed times. And then we go through chapter 23 and realize it's talking about Shabbat and Pesach and Shavuot and uh, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Yom Bikarim, and so on and so forth. But I want to show you something as we look at the different feasts that exist within them. All of them point to us being a holy uh, example of the Lord before the nations. Uh, each Moed has a distinct purpose and remind, in, of reminding us of God's divine gifts to us. Pesach is a reminder of freedom and salvation. Shavuot is a reminder of the Torah and the Ruach HaKodesh being given. Yom Teruah or, Yom, uh, or Rosh Hashanah is a reminder of the awe of God's kingship. Right? Rosh Hashanah, it's uh, when the kings would be anointed and proclaimed and coronated as king. It's a reminder of the authority of who God is. Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, is a reminder of teshuva and repentance, not of judgment, but of the opportunity to repent, to make teshuvah, to return to him. And Sukkot is a reminder of the joy that we have in the Lord. And as believers, we realize that this is literally the cycle of repentance and restoration, and ultimately the, the, the redeeming joy that we find in the Lord. And then we have Shabbat. Shabbat's the most important one out of the whole list in Leviticus 23, because it comes around every, every week. The rest of them come around once a year. Shabbat comes around every single week. And Shabbat is not a reminder of the, the freedom of redemption that's given. It's not just a reminder of this presence of the Lord and His Word. It's not a reminder of repentance and joy and so on. But it is very simply a reminder that we are called to holiness that we are called to holiness. He says in verse 3, Work may be done for six days, but the seven days is Shabbat, a solemn rest, a holy convocation. You do no work that is a Shabbat to Adonai in all your dwellings. It's a reminder that we are to be holy. It's a reminder that we have been made holy by the Lord. Even more distinct than that, I love this Shabbat because the Shabbat is a sampling of heaven here on earth. See, all the other feasts and festivals come around once a year and they all have prophetic purposes to them. If you look through Leviticus 23, every single commanded feast in Leviticus 23 has a prophetic purpose, either of the first coming or the second coming of Messiah, which means by necessity, the Shabbat has to have a, pro a prophetic purpose as well, right? There's only two commandments about the Shabbat we can actually wholeheartedly keep today. And we can strive to do a bunch of others, right? We can strive to, to, uh, to, to not spend money on Shabbat. We can strive to uh, honor the Lord with worship that replaces sacrifice and so on and so forth. But there's two things about the Shabbat we can actually do today that we were commanded to do uh, back during the days of the Tabernacle and Temple. First is we're commanded to rest, to not work, to set work aside, to rest in His presence. And the second thing is we are commanded to have a holy convocation to do this right here, to gather together as, as, uh, as holy ones, as kedoshim together and worship and praise before the Lord. We are commanded to have a holy convocation in his presence. You know what's unique about heaven besides the fact that the Lord is there? What's unique about heaven is there's only two things biblically that we definitively know about heaven. There's all sorts of allegory. You know, streets are paved with golden mansions and yada, 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 and all this, right? There's all sorts of allegory in, in scriptures about heaven. There's only two things we know definitively about heaven. First and foremost, we will be eternally resting in the literal presence of the Lord. And the second is we will be eternally gathering a holy convocation with the angels and saints in the literal presence of the Lord. So the very items about the Shabbat that we can keep today that the Lord has commanded us to do every single week is a dress rehearsal for heaven. More specifically, we cry out all the time in the body of Messiah, we want heaven on earth, right? 
Well, if we did, we would honor it because every single week we have an opportunity to experience heaven on earth. It's a rehearsal. It's a dress rehearsal for what's to come. But every single week we get to experience it. But most believers toss it away. They've replaced it with the first day of the week. It's not to say you can't worship on the first day of the week or the second or the third or the fourth or have any one of those days off as well. But there's something awesome about taking the time to have the holy Shabbat, not just any Shabbat. And I've heard New, New, New Testament believers that like to say things like, oh no, the Lord wants you to take a Shabbat, but because of the cross, the day doesn't matter anymore. Just take a Sabbath rest. Pick a day, any day, take a Sabbath rest. But that's not what the Word of God says. As a matter of fact, Yeshua says he is the Lord of the Shabbat, right? He's restoring us to the Shabbat, not just to the here and now weekly Shabbat, but he's restoring us to the ultimate Shabbat, which is eternity in heaven. The Shabbat that will never end. And we as believers far too often throw away the dress rehearsal, the example that we are given. I talked about uh, a few moments ago how God has called us to, to holiness, right? And how he says he will make himself holy through us no matter what. That he will, he says, you must not profane my holy name, for I will be made holy among B'nai Israel. In other words, no matter what, I will be made holy. In Leviticus 24, the last chapter of Parsha and more of this week's Parsha, we see a discussion about a guy who, who uh, blasphemed the name of the Lord, right? And it talks about how he was taken out, he was, he was stoned, and so on and so forth. As you look through the scriptures, we realize that the Torah commands, if you blaspheme the name of the Lord, you're to be stoned, right? So it wasn't anything abnormal. This was something that, that should happen if it goes down, right? But we notice we don't actually see this occur very often. Matter of fact, as far as I can think of, this is the only time in scripture that I see this occur, in the Torah especially, the only time I've seen this occur. Just like there's only one time that we see somebody stoned for working on Shabbat. Remember the guy that picked up sticks on Shabbat and he was stoned for, right? There's only one time in Torah we see that happen. Forty years Israel wanders in the wilderness, and only once does somebody profane the name of the Lord or, 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 or uh, blaspheme the name of the Lord, or only once does somebody pick up stones, uh, I mean pick up sticks on Shabbat, they work on Shabbat, they have to be stoned for you know why we only read one account? It's the same reason why we don't read an account about somebody stoning their son for being wayward, as the Torah says, for, for being a drunkard and too far gone and there's no hope for him. We don't read anywhere in the Torah about that happening. You know why? Because it only took one guy picking up sticks, getting stoned for it, for the whole nation to go, yo, nope, he's serious about this one. That's, that, that's good. I don't need it. I'm good. The one guy blaspheming the name of the Lord, he gets stoned for it. Everybody, nope. All right. Serious about that one too. You know what? I'm not going to test that getting becoming a, a, a wayward son thing because he meant it here and I'm going to trust him on that. I'm just going to give him that one. That one's, that one's a freebie. I'm going to let him have that. Because we're relatively intelligent beings every once in a while and we're quick enough to realize, look, if this guy's got stoned for this, if these dudes got stoned for this, God's pretty serious about it. But how about us as believers today, if for the, the modern body of Messiah today, who want to contort the word of God and make it say what we want to make our lives more comfortable and more convenient rather than contorting our lives to scripture as the scriptures call us to do. Right? We may not die here and now as, as these guys did in the Torah, but the death that is awaiting us if we forsake the word of God, if we forsake our relationship with the Lord, if we forsake his salvation, the death that is awaiting us is far worse. We talked about how do we find atonement today if we can't make sacrifice. We find that atonement in the person of Yeshua, who was spotless, sinless, who took on our sins on his own back. 
and died on that cross, on that wooden stake, that execution stake, offering his life as an atonement sacrifice. That you and I could be forgiven for our sins, that we could be restored to holiness, that we could be restored to being the example of the Lord, to being the, the, the light of the Lord that we were called to be in the first place, that we were created to be as humans, as God's creation, that we could be restored to being able to interact with the presence of the Lord as we were created to do in the garden. That we could be restored to being an example of the Lord's holiness. Because without that blood atonement, the, the Torah says, Leviticus 18, Pasha Achirimot says, there is no forgiveness, there is no atonement for sin without blood atonement. <coughs> Excuse me, without blood atonement. And why is that? Because the life is in the blood. An innocent animal dies for our sins. How much more important is that sacrifice when it's an innocent man who is literally God in flesh offering his earthly life as an atonement sacrifice, blood for blood, life for life. See, this Parsha ends with a discussion of justice and restitution. It ends with a discussion of justice and restitution. It says, uh, Verse 17, whoever mortally strikes down any man must surely be put to death. Whoever mortally strikes down an animal is to make restitution life for life. If anyone injures his neighbor as he has done, the same is to be done for him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Just as he injured someone, so it should be done to him. Verse 23, so Moses spoke to B'nai Israel. And they led the one who had cursed out of the camp, then stoned him with rocks. Thus Ben Israel did as Adonai commanded Moses. And Ben Israel, the children of Israel, made the name of the Lord holy. This guy being stoned made the name of the Lord holy. You know why? Because he showed that God meant what he said. Now, does that mean that God's going to take your eye out back and stone us? I hope not. Uh, I mean, every once in a while, hell stones, stones fall and people probably die from that. But I hope that's not literally what's going to happen. Uh, I, I can't biblically tell you it won't because there's no evidence that it won't. But I think we serve a God who's merciful and gracious and loving and, and has told us that if we accept the blood atonement of Messiah Yeshua, our sins are forgiven, which means the, the reason for our, the necessity for our death, the reason for the consequence of our sins is now washed away. See, people like to say that the, the commandments were hung on the cross and that we no longer have to worry about it. But that's not what the Word of God says. Colossians says that it was the curse of breaking the commandments that was hung on the cross. What's the curse of breaking the commandments? Death. It means God is the judge, and we go to court, and God opens up the docket that yesterday had a whole bunch of charges written on it. But today, because we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, is blink. And so the enemy stands there as the great accuser. The enemy stands there and accuses, oh, but Rabbi David did this. And Rabbi David did this, and Rabbi David did this, and Rabbi David did this, and the Lord opens up the docket, and every piece of paper is blank, and he's flipping through. He goes, but you know, Hasatan, I don't, I don't see any of that anywhere in here. I don't see anything in this, this docket that says anything about any of that. Imagine how riled up the enemy gets. But the Lord is going to make himself holy through us. He's going to make himself holy through us. That doesn't mean the Lord's not already holy. But he wants to show his holiness through his, his creation that he made to be holy. And that's why he gave us his word. And if you look through the Torah, although there's so many people that get so uptight when you talk about honoring the Torah, if you look through the Torah, there's really nothing overbearing. Most of what we can actually keep today 
It's all common sense stuff. And if it's not, it should be, right? And, and I'm sure you can as quickly as I can think of some really funny commandments in the Torah that should be common sense, but apparently aren't, and aren't enough that the Lord had to put it in his word for us not to do it, right? Um, <laughs> I have one that I throw out all the time, but my wife's going to throw something at me if I do, so I'll leave that one alone. But, but the reality is, is most of them are common sense, right? Most of them are really good. We want to talk about the, the, the political atmosphere of the, the world we live in, especially here in the U.S. right now, wants to talk about, we were just talking about this on Sunday, wants to talk about social justice and how it's so important that we stand for social justice and those that are, are marginalized and those that aren't taken care of and blah, 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 right? And there's this argument, political, conservative versus liberal, about uh, welfare and whether the government should do this and give that and, and this should be a right and that should be a right and yada, yada. You know why we're having this to hold this? discussion? Why it's even a discussion whether or not the government should take care of the poor, the orphan, the widowed, and so on and so forth? It's because you and I as believers fell to honor the word of the Lord. You and I as believers fell to not just honor what the Torah says, because the Torah says do that. We fell to honor what Yeshua said when Yeshua repeated it. We still fail to honor it. We have literally relegated our biblical responsibility for social justice, to the government, and said, here, you guys take care of this, because we're too worried about our country club church over here, and what it may look like if we let these people in. So you guys take care of them over there, and we'll just complain about them over here, and that'll solve the problem. But then the government starts taxing us to take care of them, and then we get upset because, hey, we said we don't want to take care of them. We said you guys take care of them. But if we as the body of Messiah would actually do our responsibility, if we would actually honor the holiness code of the scriptures, if we would actually honor the word of the Lord, it wouldn't be necessary for the government to take care of the sick, the orphan, the widowed. It wouldn't be necessary for the government to take care of our parents because they're uh, too, too old to work or too hurt to work or too injured to work. It would be our responsibility because that's what the word of the Lord tells us to do. But no, it was all that commandment stuff. That was hung on the cross. So that doesn't matter anymore. It's a government's responsibility. We don't have to do any of that. But Yeshua commands it. Yeshua says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. So the question is, do we love him? And it's not a discussion of whether or not we should keep kosher or the Shabbat. I think we should. I think it's a good thing. I don't think it's a matter of salvation. I don't think it's going to affect whether or not we're in heaven. But at the very least... It's brownie points, right? <laughs> At the very least, God said, do it. We're doing it. That's a good thing, right? But we, we shouldn't be doing it for the sake of earning anything. If we're honoring his word, it should solely be because the Lord said, do it. So we do it. I don't expect my kids to do what I tell them because they're going to get brownie points for it or because they're going to get M&Ms for it. Or because they're gonna get... I expect them to do what I tell them to do because I told them to do it. I shouldn't have to bribe my kids to get their room clean. I also shouldn't have to spank them to get their room clean. Sometimes both have to happen. Sometimes I have to spank them and then eat their M&Ms myself. And the room still doesn't get clean. But we are the Lord's children and he expects us to honor his word not because we're going to get anything out of it, but because he's called us to be holy for him. He's called us that the nations will see him in us. He's called us to be a light into the nations. 
And when the Lord says, don't hide that light, you know, the gospel says, don't hide the light. Every time you or I sin, you know what we're doing? We're hiding the light. We're hiding the light. Every time we relegate our biblical responsibility to a government agent, we're hiding the light. We're telling the Lord, hey, it was awesome that you redeemed me, but I don't really care about those people. They don't really need your redemption. I mean, maybe they do, but that's somebody else's problem. I'm going to go to my country club over here. Because these people all think the same way I do, that they don't matter. I don't know about you, but I think that's a miserable example of the body of Messiah. It's not to pretend that we're going to be all happy-go-lucky all the time, but the least we can do is love the Lord enough to let Him work through us, to let Him be seen through us. Out of everything that the Lord has done for me, I mean, He gave His only begotten Son that I could have eternal life. The very least I could do is to honor His Word, is to do what He said. And we want to act like it's a tough thing. We want to act like it's a problem. And every time we do, we mar and damage the image of the Lord in our lives, the image of our Creator. We damage His image of holiness through us. We damage our opportunity to be used by Him to influence and impact the world around us, to do exactly what we were created for. I don't know about you, but I want to be holy. I want to make the name of the Lord great. He doesn't need my help with that, but he's given me the option to be a part of it. I want to make his name great. I have a buddy who's a Messianic rabbi in Seattle that uh, people laugh at him sometimes. I think it's a really cool concept. He regularly says, I mean, almost all of their marketing for his synagogue says uh, that they're striving to make Yeshua famous. It's like, it's not that he's not already famous, right? It's probably Yeshua, Jesus, however you want to word it, it's probably the most famous name in the world, right? He doesn't need our help to make him famous, but he gave us the opportunity to be a part of making him famous. I want to be a part of that. I don't want to be the one that people look at and go, oh, but yeah, that's what a believer looks like, and I don't need none of that in my life. I get enough problems. I don't need that in my life. We're supposed to be somebody that some, when, when other people look at us, that they go, I want that. Whatever that is, I want that in my life. I want that in my life. I want to be a part of that. It's time that we as believers change our priorities, that we change the way we do things, the way we look at things, the way we look at his word, the way we react and respond to his word, and more importantly, the way his word flows through us. Because this world needs it. This world needs the light of Messiah to shine more now than ever before. Amen? Avarachamim, Father of mercies, we worship you. We love you and we adore you. We thank you for being a God who has chosen us, even in our fallen state, to be restored, renewed, and redeemed by the blood of Messiah Yeshua, the blood of the Lamb. That you have redeemed us, that we can be a shining example of what is available in faithfulness to you, of the love that is available, of, of the, the life renewed, the life abundant that is available. That we can be examples of your Kodesh, of your Holy Spirit in this world. Father, I thank you that you have placed your light within us, and I ask you, Lord, to continue 
to continue to stoke that flame that we may be known as those who make the name of the Lord holy. B'shem Yeshua Meshachinu. In the name of Yeshua Messiah we pray and everyone says, Amen.